What's going on, family? Happy Wednesday, and welcome to another edition of The Faction. I hope you guys are doing well. It's WrestleMania week, family, and yes, it's been busy. It's been crazy. My apologies again, but things are happening. Let's just say that. Things are happening. So with that said, shout out to all of you who join us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at The Faction Show. Those of you who are subscribed to our podcast and our regular contributors, we thank you so very much. We can't do what we do without you. Means the absolute world. If you're new to the journey, welcome aboard. We are honored to have you here. You could have come from a number of different places. So thanks for rocking with us. And I hope that you will subscribe and be a part of our Faction universe. With that said, it is WrestleMania week. There's a lot of wrestling that's happening this week. So what I want to do in the next couple of days is talk about some of these cards that are happening. Obviously, we have WrestleMania nights one and two happening this Saturday and Sunday night. But in case you did not know, WrestleMania week is just that. It is a week-long wrestling extravaganza as multiple organizations and promotions come together to present wrestling in front of the whole world. There are lots of cards happening. It might be impossible to hit them all, but we're going to try to hit some of the big ones for you in terms of talking about what is happening on these cards, what the cards look like, what we can expect, leading up to, of course, WrestleMania. So just a quick idea of what this schedule looks like. Of course, Monday night we had the Raw Before Mania, which I thought was really, really solid. The first loss for Solo Sokoa, it happened to Cody Rhodes, and it's got me asking a lot of questions right now. I did not think that Solo would lose that match. I thought it would end in disqualification. So the idea that Solo got pinned and his first loss came at the hands of Cody Rhodes could spell bad, bad things for the bloodline this weekend. So there's that element of things. Of course, last night was NXT, and we got some greater clarity on what Stand and Deliver will look like in terms of three big title matches. We'll get into all of that and more throughout the week. So in talking about WrestleMania week, there are a number of cards that are happening. I want to just talk about a few of them, and then we'll kind of move on. Today, we want to focus on some of the things that are happening on Thursday and Friday night. So Thursday night is the Multiverse United card. That's Impact Wrestling and New Japan Pro Wrestling coming together for a joint card that happens Thursday night beginning 8 p.m. Pacific. That is 11 p.m. Eastern for all of our listeners on the East Coast of the United States. It's going to be a late one for you. But it'll certainly be worth it as we get to see Impact and New Japan together. Then on Friday, we have the Supercard of Honor from Ring of Honor. We also have SmackDown and the Hall of Fame. All of that is happening. In fact, I'm tempted to just kind of go around and start with the Hall of Fame. Yeah, let's do that. We'll start with the Hall of Fame. So in case you did not know, this year's inductees into the WWE Hall of Fame class of 2023 looks like this. You've got Rey Mysterio, the great Muta, 
In the celebrity wing, you've got Andy Kaufman and just reported earlier this week, Stacey Keebler. So there's a couple of things to note in here. First and foremost, this is the smallest class inducted into the Hall of Fame ever since the first Hall of Fame induction ceremony. That was 1993 when there was only one person inducted, the first person inducted into the Hall of Fame. That is Andre the Giant. So there's that to consider. In addition to that, remember one of the reasons this particular Hall of Fame class is a little shorter or a little smaller than others is you're trying to really shorten the Hall of Fame induction ceremony. Now, in times past, before there was a two-day WrestleMania, Hall of Fame induction ceremony had its own day. And when it had its own day, the show could run a little bit long. I think most of us remember the eternal infinite speech of Mr. T, which just went on and on more than Erica Badu. And the reality of it is, in those moments, I think the WWE realized we need to shorten the Hall of Fame. So shortly after that, they started putting time limits on speeches for some of the folks who were speaking. Now that we've moved to a two-day WrestleMania and the Hall of Fame induction ceremony happens immediately after SmackDown, it certainly does kind of create a different situation for the Hall of Fame space. And here's why. You have a few things to balance. On one hand, you have wrestlers who, for many, this is the pinnacle and the end of their career in front of people, so to speak. It's usually how the Hall of Fame goes. But then you have to balance that against the wrestling fans, your WWE universe, who, if they're only going to WWE events, just sat through two hours of SmackDown and then could be expected to attend Stand and Deliver Saturday morning. And then, of course, WrestleMania Saturday night, WrestleMania Sunday night. So you really have to kind of give some thought to how long do we want this show to run? When you only have four inductees, you can pretty much guarantee that it doesn't have to run two hours. It could probably do an hour and we'd be okay. Rey Mysterio is the headliner for this year's class, which again, isn't going to be a long one. Andy Kaufman, of course, will have representatives speaking for him since this award is coming posthumously. The great Muta may be coming over from Japan, or this could be kind of a video type of thing, much like we saw with the great Kali in years prior. So then that leaves probably Stacy Keebler and Rey Mysterio. So Stacy Keebler, now there are those who have questions and there are those who feel like this is well-deserved. I will say that I do think one way or the other, casting no aspersions on anyone, I think it's about time that we have some actual guidelines or criteria that are published for what makes one worthy of the Hall of Fame. Now, this is not a knock to Stacey Keebler, but I would be very interested in finding out what qualifies someone to be in the Hall of Fame. Is it impact alone? Is it championships won? Is it mainstream popularity? Is it leaving the business better than how you found it? What is it? And I think those things are important as people begin justifying in their minds who should and shouldn't be in the Hall of Fame. So take Stacey Keebler. Stacey Keebler 
did not win any championships. So we can't, you know, hang that particular piece on her resume. Did she make an impact? Certainly. She impacted WCW and WWE in a time where in-ring competition wasn't necessarily the measuring stick. And I think that's the other reason why it's important to have these criteria somewhere available for people to be able to reference because it can be dangerous trying to take what our standards are today and superimpose them over a previous era. For instance, I'm working on something which we'll probably talk about maybe a little later this week in terms of what the demographics of the WWE Hall of Fame are. And I'll get into that hopefully in the coming days because I do think there's some interesting discussions. But as I was looking at some of these numbers and some of the facts and figures, one of the things that I had to remember is you cannot expect the Hall of Fame to reflect something that didn't exist during its era. For instance, why are there fewer women in the WWE Hall of Fame than men? Well, because in these previous eras, women's wrestling was not viewed as equal to men. Remember, it took 35 WrestleManias before we had a main event that featured women. Right. So you got to consider that, which means at least 35 years from 1985 that we can look at how women's wrestling has been treated. So it may be a minute before we get a woman headlining the Hall of Fame induction class. As we consider all of those things, when we get ready to look at the makeup of the Hall of Fame, we can then determine, okay, this is why the Hall of Fame looks the way that it does relative to women, relative to people of color, et cetera, et cetera. With that being said, we now have to ask ourselves, not just how does Stacey Keebler rank against today's women or against the women gone by, but how did she impact her era? Her era was the Monday Night Wars and the Attitude Era. She was involved again on the WCW side as one of the Nitro Girls, so that was a big deal. She ended up transforming into Miss Hancock, who was involved in standards and practices. When she moved over to Raw and SmackDown, she was part of the Alliance. She teamed at one point with Tori Wilson. She was the manager for a bit of the Dudleys, you know, and got involved in several things there. Had some rivalries with Trish Stratus, Miss Jacqueline, Molly Holly. There were a lot of things that she was able to do and then she also had mainstream impact as well being involved in season two of dancing with the stars she's been involved in magazines she's appeared on shows like how i met your mother chuck and psych so she's had a career that has been memorable both in and out of the ring and so again when you start thinking about how she impacted the era she was a part of and again, the Attitude Era, certainly for women's wrestling, was not known for women's wrestling. It was certainly more so known for beauty. It was known for, you know, matches that weren't as skilled, like bra and panty matches, pillow fights. And the real question is, was Stacey Keebler a mainstay in pro wrestling during the era with which she served? And the answer is actually yes. So Stacey Keebler... Welcome to the Hall of Fame. 
There's no arguing the great Muda's impact. And I think the timing of this is perfect for him as he has been on his retirement tour, had his last couple of matches in pro wrestling Noah and in New Japan. And of course, Rey Mysterio, that goes without saying. Many call him the greatest luchador of all time, certainly the greatest masked wrestler of all time. My big question is, does this mean we are coming to the end of Mysterio's career? With his upcoming match at WrestleMania against his son, does this mean that we're looking at the swan song for Rey Mysterio? Only a handful of folks have been inducted into the Hall of Fame while still having a wrestling career. Ric Flair was one. He would end up retiring the next day. Will the same kind of thing happen for Rey Mysterio? Only time will tell. But the Hall of Fame induction ceremony happens Friday night, ironically opposite what's happening with Ring of Honor. So when we come back, we're going to talk about Impact and New Japan and the Multiverse United event. And we'll get into Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor. I got a lot left in the time. What's up, guys? This is Mark here in the World's Strongest Man, and you're tuned in to The Faction. I've known Dylan since he was 15. I've known what a crazy fanatic he's been. He never just went and played. So what are you doing? Well, you know, I gotta plan the show first. He wants to be the guy shaping. Dylan used to run shows back in his hometown, and ever since he moved to Atlanta, I know that he's been really wanting to start his own company here. I had that fear of not being what's interesting in Atlanta. I said, I'm gonna start my own wrestling promotion. You need to get in a room with this guy. Because at the end of the day, wrestling had grown stale in Georgia. I'm like, dude, this guy's ruffling everybody's feathers. Dylan learned that I'm impatient, and I announced that we were gonna start a promotion 90 days later. And I knew that I had no content. But then I started to see all the things that he was doing. It was starting to look really professional. Gary had stirred up so much shit. We were gonna be the laughing stock of the entire city if we didn't deliver. Perception's reality. How do we get on Southern Honor? What was the process of them walking over there like, I'm gonna do that? I thought, honestly, he was dead. You hear his brain swelling. I literally thought Southern Honor was probably done. You always told me, if you don't like an idea, come up with a better idea. You're telling me you won't listen to the idea? And we're gonna pack 1,000 people! I couldn't wait for an answer from Chris. We weren't sure. No confirmation. How about that? The lights are going out here. The first indie show I've ever done in 23 years was with Southern Honor, and now everyone's talking about this company. Nothing bigger than that's ever gonna happen here for it a few minutes later. It was extremely hard to maintain relationships because I was working with Gary. I don't know that they would go to war for me. They would go to war for Dylan. Finally, this year is going to be mine, COVID. I can honestly say my last match will be here just because Southern Honor is that special to me. So many things that have happened in my life that you could write on paper and it wouldn't read as a book. And Southern Honor is just another chapter. As long as there's a been, there is a you, there will always be a S-H-W. This is Caprice Coleman, and you're listening to The Faction on Bonafide Radio. That's right, the man with the style, the grace, the shape, and the face. Support Bonafide Radio, The Faction. Keep it on, baby. 
All right, we're talking about Impact Wrestling and New Japan. They are bringing us Multiverse United. Only the Strong Survive. It's happening tomorrow night. That's Thursday night in LA at the Globe Theater. It'll be live on Fight TV. You'll be able to check it out as it begins 8 p.m. Pacific, 11 p.m. Eastern. So you got to stay up late for this one, but it's certainly going to be worth it. Now, the card has been impacted in a few ways, and I want to explain how how it's been impacted for those who may be unaware. For one, there was supposed to be a Knockouts World title match where Mickey James would be defending her Knockouts Championship against Deanna Perrazzo, Giselle Shaw, and Miyu Yamashita in a fatal four-way match. However, an injury has happened to Mickey James. It prevented her from defending against Jordan Grace at Sacrifice, which was last week, and is making her questionable for the upcoming pay-per-view in April for Impact where she was scheduled to defend the Impact Knockouts Championship. So, some adjustments have been made and here's the adjustment. Jordan Grace, who never did get her number one contenders match last week at Sacrifice, will move to the April pay-per-view for Impact and fight for the Knockouts Championship. She will fight the winner of this fatal four-way which features Deanna Perrazzo, Giselle Shaw, and Miyu Yamashita at Multiverse Universe, and the fourth competitor will now be Masha Slamovich. So the winner of that match will take on Jordan Grace and potentially... Mickey James if Mickey James is cleared. So if Mickey is cleared, it'll be a triple threat match happening there at the April Impact pay-per-view. If she is not cleared, then this will turn into a title match where the winner of this Multiverse United Fatal 4-Way will take on Jordan Grace for the Impact Knockouts Championship. So pretty powerful stuff. And that's not the only impact that's happening here. There was also scheduled to be an Impact World Title match where the world champion Josh Alexander would take on Kushida. Josh Alexander has been injured and has been forced to relinquish the Impact World Championship. It's unfortunate because he was in the midst of a historic reign that had him at 335 days longer than any other person to ever hold the Impact World Championship. He was scheduled at Multiverse United to defend against Kushida. Now, Kushida will still get his opportunity, and that will happen also at the April pay-per-view against Steve Macklin, and the winner of that will become the new Impact World Champion, but that could be thrown off a little bit because Kushida has a new opponent right now at Multiverse United, and it is Leo Rush representing New Japan Pro Wrestling. So this is going to be very intriguing and exciting for sure. I'm looking forward to this card, but there are some other amazing matches, and I will say this, this is not the first injury that's impacted this card alone. There have been now three injuries that have impacted this card. The first of those was the injury to... Will Ospreay, he was scheduled to take on Speedball Mike Bailey. That match has now changed where now Hiroshi Tanahashi, the ace of New Japan Pro Wrestling, will take on Speedball Mike Bailey. Other matches on this card include Kenta taking on Minoru Suzuki in defense of the Strong Openweight Championship. Moose takes on Jeff Cobb. We'll also see an X Division scramble match for the X Division Championship as the champion Trey Miguel defends against Frankie Kazarian, Rich Swan, Kevin Knight, 
Clark Connors and Rocky Romero. There's also going to be an eight-man tag as Fred Rosser, Alex Coughlin, Callahan, and PCO take on Eddie Edwards, Joe Hendry, Tom Lawler, and J.R. Kratos. Yu Yamura takes on Gabriel Kidd, and then for the Impact World Tag Team Championship, it's Bullet Club defending against Aussie Open, TMDK and the Motor City Machine Guns. Now, this gets interesting because Aussie Open also will be battling for the Ring of Honor Tag Team Championships the next night. So it is conceivable that Aussie Open could walk out of WrestleMania weekend with the Impact World Tag Titles and the Ring of Honor World Tag Titles, which would be absolutely crazy, but it totally can happen. This incredible event, which is Multiverse United, Only the Strong Survive, takes place tomorrow, Thursday night, live on Fight TV, beginning at 11 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Pacific from the Globe Theater. It's going to be amazing. I can't wait. In addition to that, we've got a big card happening Friday night. Now, Friday night, in addition to on the WWE side, SmackDown, which SmackDown, by the way, will feature the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal. That's going to take place. A final face-off between Cody Rhodes and Roman Reigns. And I will say this, and this is just me, just opinion here, there's not going to be a ton of new developments that will happen on SmackDown, other than, of course, determining the winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal for a few reasons. Number one, you've got the Hall of Fame happening after. Number two, WrestleMania kicks off the next day. So, yeah, people are going to play it safe, to which I understand. But either way, it will be must-see TV. Now, opposing SmackDown and the Hall of Fame will be Ring of Honor's Super Card of Honor. Now, this is significant for a ton of reasons. So the Super Card of Honor is going to kick off at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. So that starts literally an hour before SmackDown. So it's safe to say that it certainly will run up against SmackDown Friday night. So you'll kind of have to choose. I probably will choose the Ring of Honor Supercard for a few reasons. But with that said, this is significant for a few reasons. If you remember last year's Supercard of Honor, it was right on the heels of ROH being purchased by Tony Khan and AEW. The plan was always for there to be a Supercard of Honor, even after Ring of Honor kind of closed out its first chapter back at the end of 2021. Their plan was to take a few months off, revitalize and reshape and reform Ring of Honor in a new image, coming back at the Supercard of Honor. Well, Supercard of Honor was a, certainly a big, big night for Ring of Honor, but there was still a lot of uncertainty. Fast forward a year later, we now finally have Ring of Honor's TV show, which airs on Honor Club. It airs every Thursday night at 7 p.m. Eastern, and they've given us four fantastic shows, which began at the top of March. It has set up things for what I think is one of the strongest cards of all of WrestleMania week. So you've got the six-man tag titles as the Embassy, which features Brian Cage, Bishop Khan, and Toa Leona, take on the new team of A.R. Fox, Blake Christian, and Metalik. 
The AAA Mega Championship is on the line, and this is just going to be insane. El Hijo del Vikingo, who we saw against Kenny Omega this past Wednesday night in a dream match, well, he'll be defending the AAA Mega Championship against Commander. And if you remember Commander, he was going crazy in the face of the Revolution ladder match, which happened a couple of weeks ago on Dynamite. The ROH Pure Championship is on the line as Wheeler Yuta defends against Katsuyora Shibata, who again, that is another big time dream match. I'm so excited for that. The ROH TV Championship sees Samoa Joe taking on Mark Briscoe. And then speaking of Mark Briscoe, he will officially relinquish the ROH World Tag Team Championships as it will be decided in the Reach for the Sky ladder match as the Lucha Brothers will take on Aussie Open, Roosh and Drillistico, The Kingdom, and Top Flight. And then for the world title, Claudio Castagnoli defends against Ed Kingston. This is a massive card for Ring of Honor. Certainly the strongest card that they have produced all year long, and you could argue it may even be stronger than many of the AEW cards that we've seen all year long. Top to bottom, no weak links in this one. As we mentioned earlier, it's possible that Aussie Open could win two titles in two nights, which is just insane to think of, given that they'll be fighting for the Impact Tag Team titles Thursday night and then the Ring of Honor Tag Titles Friday night. I love everything about this card, and it is going to be available, I hear, now on Bleacher Report which should be fantastic for Ring of Honor. I think there was talk of Fight TV earlier, but it is officially on Bleacher Report. This card is crazy, guys. It is crazy. If you are a wrestling fan, like you love great wrestling, this is going to be your card. This is the one that certainly on paper is going to steal the show. I like it even better than the full WrestleMania card, and I'm loving what WrestleMania is giving us. This is for the wrestling purist, and this feels like Ring of Honor. So definitely, you can check it out on Bleacher Report. It's going to be a great, great card, no doubt about that. And that, of course, leads us into... Saturday night, which we'll get into on our next episode. Well, really all day Saturday because you've got Stand and Deliver from NXT Saturday morning. And then Saturday evening, you have WrestleMania Saturday night one. Sunday, of course, is WrestleMania night two. Monday will be the epic Raw after Mania. So we'll get into that in our next episode. But I'd like to get your thoughts Are you looking to check out the Multiverse United card from Impact in New Japan? Will you be checking out Ring of Honor's Supercard of Honor? Will you be checking out SmackDown and or the Hall of Fame? Let us know right now on the socials at The Faction Show. All right, we're excited again. Great things on the way. And uh, certainly we'll be keeping you posted of all of those. Until next time, representing our good brothers, Courtney Beard, Brandon Clack, and the EP, John Murray. I am Gerard Bonner, and this is The Faction. I need my